Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Quarantine Break podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're keeping well and safe out there. We have reached episode eight, and today it's the brilliant comedian, Kiri Pritchard-McLean. I have wanted to get Kiri on the podcast since day one. Apart from being one of the best comics on the circuit, she has been entertaining the nation in digital comedy club, The Covid Arms, raising thousands for charity and making sure that comedians get paid. I laughed so much during this episode. Take a listen, and I'll be back at the end. Hello, Kiri. How have you been keeping? I have been up and down, (laughs) but largely, okay. I'm very lucky. My family are in good health. Everyone's safe. So yeah, ultimately, everything's okay. That's great. That's great. So we are recording this on a Saturday, which tends to be when my upstairs neighbour's kids go from homeschool screaming to weekend screaming. It's a completely different pitch. So do listen out for that throughout the show. <laughs> I'm really excited because I am on the verge of getting broody, but this might just nip it in the bud. So thanks in advance for that. <laughs> I have to say, quarantine has almost sent me the opposite way. <laughs> I've seen all the homeschooling, all the parents looking really stressed. And I th- it almost feels like a challenge now. Instead of, as a kid, looking after a bag of flour for a week, you should have to look after that bag of flour for 12 weeks and not go out. <laughs> you just have to homeschool the bag of flour and then you can decide <laughs> whether you want to have a kid or not. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we will chat about today is the COVID Arms Comedy Club, of course. But it's Saturday, so show day. Do you still get pre-show nerves for this kind of comedy night? Yes. It st- when I first started doing it, it was like I was a brand new comic and that the whole day would be ruined and I'd just be thinking about it and panicking about it. But now it's like any other gig, really, in the maybe about half an hour before, I'll start to get really nervous and panic and worry that I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what I'm going to say. And uh, like this is a gig that has a countdown clock that you're literally staring at, (laughs) waiting for your own face to appear in. Um, So that's an added layer of sort of jeopardy, watching the time (laughs) sort of like run through the hourglass in front of you. Um, But now it's, it's, it's definitely on an even kill. I still get nervous, I still get excited, but not anywhere near the incredibly stressful degree I was getting <laughs> to start with when I was doing the gig. 
I'm so impressed that you can do something like this hours before a show. I would be silently weeping in the corner, <laughs> reading my notes, but silently weeping is a bit of a personal brand. So I, I would be doing that anyway, I think. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who pay a lot of money to silently weep on a webcam somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, diversify or die, mate. This is your time to shine. <laughs> Finally. So I'd like to start the show with a tough question. I'm like Emily Matus in the MPs tend to block me on Twitter. So here <laughs> it comes, Kerry. How do you take your tea? I don't drink tea. Oh, my goodness. Oh, or coffee. Really? Wow. I'm one of those. Yeah. Uh, no hot drinks. No. Well, I forced myself to drink green tea because mm. uh, you go into like meetings and people are like, can I get you a tea or coffee? And you're like, oh, no, I'm fine. And that's just not good enough for most people. They're like, let <laughs> yeah. me get you something. So I was like, green tea? Because it just sounded like quite a grown-up answer. And it's absolutely disgusting. Um, so <laughs> I don't ever drink it out of choice. But if I am harassed into having a hot drink, I'll, I'll say green tea. But no, coffee, I think, is disgusting. It makes me, I tried it again about a year ago just to check in. It, I, I stamped on the floor. I found it so... <laughs> Uh, aggressive as a taste it was absolutely disgusting i think tea is just crap it's just like this <laughs> mad sort of like dish water with milk in that you guys have all got really into i just don't understand it at all so uh, like i've got loads of vices i don't need caffeine to be another one on the list <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you on coffee i I, th I think that sort of started as a child when you get a box of roses and then you accidentally eat the coffee sweet, which is probably one of the worst things that can yeah. happen to anyone. Yeah, definitely. As a child, that is, uh, yeah, I think we all have, you know, like we remember we were when Diana died, but also the first time you had a coffee cream. It's exactly <laughs> the same kind of flashbulb memory. <laughs> yeah, it's hideous. And also that's what I think about coffee is like it's so much about the appearance because no one has a coffee and goes, first time mm, this is delicious which means you had to persevere drinking that thing that you found disgusting which means that it shows that you're a weaker character that's what i think about coffee <laughs> it's like when mad men first came out and you had a certain kind of man who desperately trying to wean themselves onto whiskey <laughs> yeah even though it tastes like something you'd put in a wound to clean it <laughs> like forcing it down absolutely anything like that any sort of like affectation even smoking no one enjoys smoking when you first do it so if you're a smoker you're like you persevered with trying to be cool for a long enough time that you are addicted to it <laughs> i also don't drink coffee but i have weaned myself onto the sort of dessert style coffees so things like tiramisu i quite like okay it's yeah. a vietnamese coffee which is basically just condensed cream and a bit of coffee <laughs> which is what what's not to love and actually there's a thing called an affogato which is where you pour a espresso over ice cream oh yes i've heard about that and it's meant to be amazing mm. isn't it and everyone's drinking espresso martinis now but like generally i think there's enough flavors in the world for me to be cracking on with without delving into coffee <laughs> either that's sort of how i feel about it So even though we're not having a hot drink today, this is a podcast that takes a tea break from the world. It's a world where an article on the BBC website today asked, can I host a barbecue? <laughs> I don't remember that bit from the movie Pandemic. Like gr grilling meat never seemed to be a priority for them. That's If you watch the director's cut of Outbreak, there's just whole <laughs> scenes dedicated to whether or not they can have a, a barbecue, bearing in mind that monkey's still running around. That might be the Schneider cut of the Justice League, where it's just Batman and uh, Superman standing two metres apart. <laughs> I've not seen it yet, so maybe it is. It's um, It's interesting, isn't it, the barbecue thing? I think they should just say no to barbecues because also 
we all know that barbecues are where dads give people food poisoning. So like yeah. the NHS is doing its best already. We don't need a spate of everyone having the shits because someone's got sort of <laughs> overconfident with some chicken breasts. So I think just call off barbecues altogether. Well, like you said, with cigarettes and chocolate, no one has ever really gone to a barbecue and thought, hmm, this is the best burger I've ever had. That's the best way to cook that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. ritual of it, definitely. It's the being outside and having poking something with a stick and there being fire a- appeals to a lot of everyone's sort of primal instincts. But ultimately, it gets the coals don't get hot before the temperature drops outside. Like that's impossible <laughs> to predict. And everyone just gets hammered. They drink those stubbies that they think are invisible lemonade and everyone's just like drunk cooking with fire outside. It's terrible. It's so terrible. We do seem to be in this strange never zone at the moment where everyone's trying to rush the world back to what it was, no matter what the science says. It's a bit like when you buy a fitness DVD in January. Like it doesn't really matter what Scarlet Moffat yells. We're not really ready for that. (laughs) No, it's a strange thing, isn't it? And um I'm in Wales, so we have a slightly different set of rules. But I, it's just really difficult, isn't it? Because you hope that the powers that be are being responsible, but it doesn't feel like that. And also, like, weaponizing swathes of people who are like, come on now, we just need to get back to work. And, <laughs> and again, a lot of people who, like, work in the trades are like, I've got no income coming in. I haven't either. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. if you're a spark or a plumber or your job will come back before mine will. Mine won't be back before the end of the year. And I just think that we can take it on the chin for a bit longer to just make sure that fewer people die. I think it's just an absolutely mad thing. And and people are like, what? Like, so we just got to wait till no one's dying before we go back to work. No, no, because we're not trying to cure death. We're just trying to not have more people die recklessly. It's such a strange thing to, um, to convince people that it's not a good thing that people are dying. It's a, it's a really, it's done very strange things to people's brains. Um, and, and of course, like we all want normality because that's reassuring. And, and the weird thing is, is that now being at home and uh, all the time and trying to work from home and then not working very much has become normal. Yeah. And you worry, am I ever going to be able to get back to it? Basically, I think I'm just going to um, live off the land. That's where I am now. I'm just going to try and fully good life my way out of this situation. Which is how everyone should get out of any situation, really. Yeah, a couple of pigs, a um, few <laughs> potato plants. I think that most most problems could have been solved with that. Brexit could have been... I mean, everyone, when Brexit was going on, they're all like, well, well if there's food shortages, we'll just dig for Britain. They're all upset. We did it in the war. They're all obsessed with digging then. So I say, bring it all back. Let them have their allotments. <laughs> I did see on Twitter that you said you have started gardening, but that uh, your first attempt, you sliced open an ass cheek. Yes, I um, because I'm lucky that there's not many people around here. I don't really have neighbours. So I basically, as soon as it's hot weather, I'm, I'm walking around in my kecks and, and not much else. <laughs> um, so I'm just like gardening in my brown knickers, basically. And <laughs> I, as I was digging, I found a bit of broken glass. I stuffed it in the wall out of the way. And then I, I stood up next to the wall. But as I did it, I sort of like... <laughs> 
are you familiar with the um the phrase to slap drop where someone sort of like yes. crouches down to their <laughs> heels with their bum and then sort of usually drags their ass up against someone i sort of slut drop my own garden wall and have a massive <laughs> massive cut in my ass to the point where my partner was like you're gonna have to get stitches in this but it's fine i, I don't really believe in stitches um, and i sound like an anti-vaxxer now but um i just think those things will be fine if you leave them to it so it is healing but i can definitely if i have a hot bath i'm very aware that <laughs> sort of one of my ass cheeks is hanging open <laughs> <laughs> oh god this is the unsexiest <laughs> lockdown in the world and has slut dropping walls has that been like a, a raft of hyper productivity have you been baking banana bread have you been learning french <laughs> um no not at all this is just because i'm on a farm there's always stuff that needs doing and um, so if i ever if the if the mood ever takes me to achieve anything there's plenty just outside the door to go and do stuff so this was actually just around my potato plants. The nettles had gone wild, and I was like, I'm just going to have to deal with this. So I just uh, rattled through it in an afternoon. But if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't do it, and I would still have an intact <laughs> ass. If, um, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's, it's interesting as well about this sort of hyper-productivity now. There's, there's almost a bit of a backlash to it. Like I think it's almost being called toxic pro- productivity that I think we're all getting to the stage where we're starting to embrace our inner I need a duvet day so fuck off <laughs> yeah well I think it's really interesting isn't it the idea that we're only worthy if we're making and producing stuff and that's something like sorry to get boring but like at the beginning of this year I realized that I was someone who I'm definitely a workaholic because I have a job I love mm. that is easy to not switch off from but I realized I was like fetishizing not sleeping enough, working, not having days off. And that is really unhelpful. Like it's a stupid thing to do and it's a stupid narrative to perpetuate. So going into this, I definitely kept quiet and wasn't one of those people who's like, I'm going to finally write that book and, you know, I'm going to get my sitcom commissioned because also all you can do is fail. And there's not always the people the other side in the office to actually deal with said sitcom or said book. Um, so I think you just, I haven't had any ideas for stand-up. I find this whole thing, like, it, basically, when I'm stressed, I don't have any funny ideas because it's like my brain has to be, like, relaxed. I haven't had any ideas for stand-up, and I'm not, I, I was beating myself up about it at first, but I'm like, it's fine. Like, like I, I'm constantly worrying if my parents are going to get sick. It's all right if I can't make a funny joke out of that. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that, like, you do you at the end of the day. Like, you know, <laughs> I know it's such a lame thing, but, like, if this is bringing out the best in you, absolutely amazing. Enjoy your mania. And probably when you read it all back, it'll be dog shit anyway. <laughs> but also, if you can't do anything or feel creative, that's absolutely fine. Give yourself a break. Yeah. Like, it's enough to just not be falling apart. I've just seen generally, have you noticed this on social media? People just unraveling a little bit. Like, yeah. just, you know, like, it's definitely taking its strain mental health wise, um, even if it's not as obvious as, you know, paying all your walls black and, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. running the door or whatever, not to be flippant about mental health, but although I have been. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I th- definitely see it manifesting in people kind of struggling with how they're, and especially mm. because we're only really communicating significantly through social media, which is yeah. obviously a poison. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think it's, people are really like losing track of themselves. Um, I'm trying to get off, not get off social media, but like limit my time because it's just not good. And yeah. um, but yeah, it means I'm reading a lot. I am reading a lot. That's that's interesting because I 
I, th- I think I think I've said it on almost almost every podcast. I've I just don't seem to have the headspace for reading at the moment. I mean, I used to read so much pre-lockdown, but now my mind starts to wander when I'm reading the instructions on the pizza box. How much is on your pizza box? <laughs> what an involved tome is on the Domino's box. <laughs> I mean, I do switch off when it gets to the point where it says how long I'm supposed to put it in the oven for. I mean, that's probably why I burn so many pizzas. <laughs> you want to have a barbecue, mate? Much safer. <laughs> um, yeah, really. Well, I, it's, it's weird. I um, I love reading, but I don't read when I'm working. Um, just mm. To me, it seems um, it's really stupid. I've kind of convinced myself that it's a... Uh, uh, not a waste of time, an indulgence that I don't have time to do. So now, what, like when I'm on holiday, I'll read like at least a book a day. And I'm doing the same in lockdown as well, because I'm like, well, at least I'm feeding my brain and it, maybe yeah, this yeah. knowledge will come out somewhere at some point. But yeah, I can totally see how you can't, I can't deal with um, fiction. I find that's, I can't, mm. generally, but especially at the moment, I'm like, oh, fuck off with your made up bullshit. Like I can't really <laughs> follow it. But if it's like non, do you know what? If it's harrowing, I'm there for it. And not those ones that are like a child called it or whatever, where it's like absolute sort of like travesty porn that mm. women who wear white linen trousers on holiday really love. <laughs> it's not that. And um, it's stuff about like, like I just finished one about Auschwitz. I'm reading one about the um, two journalists who uncovered Harvey Weinstein. So it's all like really heavy yeah. stuff. But um, that feels like a bit of a break <laughs> from looking at the news <laughs> at the moment as well. I mean, there has been so many negatives in lockdown. And obviously one of them is seen regularly driving up the M1 to local castles but have you have you found any positives from this time I guess as you say this sort of learning a bit more of a balance in terms of work have you found that yeah although having said that I don't know if um because everything was penciled in my diary to start again in autumn and if everything went ahead I wouldn't have a day off for the first two and a half months so all that all that happens is especially if you're a workaholic if you're not doing it now you still give yourself the same amount of work just in less time so I, I definitely feel more emboldened now as a comic who doesn't live in London to go no, I don't need to come down for a meeting. We, we'll have a Zoom about it. We'll have a Skype about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you just feel like you have to get on that train and spend that £100 to go down there and be there in person. But I think a great thing to come out of this is that we've realised the world can be a bit more, a bit smaller and a bit more accessible in relation to geography and accessibility. So that has been good for me. Um, I think it will mean I spend less time, and I hope it means I spend less time in London. Um, because someone who doesn't live there, I spend far too much time there, and it, it's not good for me as a as a little country mouse. Um, <laughs> that is that's helped me, and also um, I guess because I was, the show I was like four dates into touring was about empathy, yeah, and especially in relation to the internet as well, and me trying to be more empathetic online. But um, I guess it, all this has shown me how something like this can shake everyone and everyone, they either split into people who are just altruistic and want to help or people who are incredibly self-centered, kind yeah. of bring everything back to themselves or, or only see themselves in their sort of sphere. And that's, uh, it's, um, I don't know how to unite those two things. Because <laughs> um, I think that would help a lot of things if there was a bit more middle ground and a bit more empathy. But I don't know how, if people struggle to give a shit about anyone else other than their friends and family, yeah. I don't know how you ever convince them to do that. Kill them all, I guess. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the most empathetic thing I've ever said. <laughs> You've been uh, supporting loads of small businesses on Twitter, which I actually I think is one of 
has been one of the biggest positives in lockdown that I'm loving my local high street more, mainly to avoid those kind of big businesses, big supermarkets. Like I basically transfer my entire wages into Etsy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, I worry about our, I worry about my little postie. He's the person I give like try and give him beer and wine and things like that because he's <laughs> working so hard. <clears throat> and all, he was saying that on the bank holiday that's just been he said normally tracked parcels you get about three thousand before the weekend before christmas uh, yeah. and it was four and a half thousand on monday wow. and he says uh, christmas they cancel time off whereas this is not christmas so they haven't canceled time off yeah, yeah and there's people falling ill all the time so they're under like massive strain so i'm always trying to bargain with myself about online shopping and and you know post office and all that kind of stuff but Yes, I'm absolutely here for it. Small businesses, I found as well, have done like so much, like personally donating. When these people are on incredibly tight margins as it is, um, I probably like, most of the small businesses are or the ones that I've been looking at anyway are our families. So they've got to home educate their kids as well, and they're still finding time to give. 10 15 percent of their profits away or doing stuff just where all the profit goes to nhs charities i think it's absolutely amazing and it sort of puts to shame any big organization with shareholders or whatever that isn't doing their bit it's it's really disgusting um so yeah i've been trying to shout about those people it's also quite a nice thing as well um to sort of sit there and in the morning and go through little bits and find stuff on Instagram and be like, oh, yeah, they look like good eggs doing good thing. Um, and it sort of makes you think, it, it reassures you that there's lots of people out there who believe in each other, I guess. I think on, as, as you say, I also have my good days and bad days. I think on my, on my worst days, it's those businesses that I genuinely feel anxious about. Like I, I look at local businesses near me and I, I get genuinely scared that they might not reopen or that they're struggling. Basically, I've got a hell of a lot of vouchers now <laughs> that some, at some point in the year, like I'm going to have the biggest shopping spree. <laughs> I'll go for a pedicure, get my hair cut. I, I'm going to look amazing. I can't wait to see your glow up when all this opens again. It's amazing. I did that as well. I, I did it for my um my hairdresser is probably the only business, like small business that I go to constantly that isn't yeah. a, a Chinese takeaway near me. Um so yeah, I, they they were someone I got a voucher for and it, it is that thing of I just worry. I, I know the two women who run it and they they are just like a small limited company as well who are to get themselves going and put themselves on tiny wages. They're not doing that dodgy thing that comedians do where they put make themselves a limited company so they don't have to pay tax. But like, it's like these are people are really at risk and I just, um, I'm not really smart enough and avoiding the, the uh, news as much as I can to see whether there's any meaningful help being given to them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, um, you just hope that it's like they've just got to stay the course but I just worry that because there's nothing's being efficiently dealt with we don't know how long that is because if if they said to everyone now right December everything will be back to normal but we just have to do this then having a clear timeline is so much better mentally like all go right okay well we definitely can't do that what are we going to do to make money in the meantime um but just this thing of like every week hopefully we'll find out something is really it it, yeah it's it's really stressful 
I mean, lockdown has affected so many industries. And as, as, as you said, comedy and theatre, those, those industries closed overnight. And actually, I had James Graham on the podcast last week. And as he said, you guys pretty much closed before the government asked you to close. When that happened, that must have been a really scary time. Yes. And I think maybe, even though I had, because I write on topical shows, I had been following this since it originally broke out in like, what was it, December? Yeah. Um, when it was making mainstream news anyway. Um, so you could see it happening in s- slow motion elsewhere. But I guess there's not like, I don't know, maybe it's me or like colonial arrogance of being like, It'll be different over here. We'll be absolutely fine. So I guess I didn't really take it seriously or thought maybe it would last for two weeks and then, you know, some people would get ill and then it would be fine and everyone would recover. And, you know, so, yeah, to have that whipped away from you is hugely difficult and stressful financially. And you worry about everywhere you have an association with. So, you know, even if my tour comes back, a half the venue is going to be open. All those lovely yeah. people who run it and work so hard. No, very rarely are people in the arts well paid. So that yeah, yeah. woman who also does this and that and then cleans for two days a week for them. How the fuck is she coping? Because it's not like, you know, she's not on dividends and paid loads. And it's it's the idea as well that potentially it means the arts again is only going to be inhabited by people who could afford to not make any money from it anyway, which would yeah, be a yeah. problem facing everyone. And then it's the added thing of, I sort of feel acutely people very sweetly. They've been like, God, I can't wait to see what you have to say on this when you come and see it live. And, and, and it's like, Oh God, is there going to be a pressure to examine this and talk about it? And you can't yeah. ignore it, but like, I don't know how much I want to dwell on it and, you know, that being kind of held to account to dissect and commentate on everything that's happening is, is quite a daunting prospect as well. Yeah. It's just a really strange, strange world. And I worry for, cause I, cause I, I'm not a comic who, makes money because of the fringe like i came up through the circuit that's how i paid my bills and i the circuit has um is brilliant in britain like there's nothing there's nowhere else like it so because we're such a small island it's incredible like the most amazing talent and that is going to be hardest hit because those small pubs and clubs half of those probably won't be able to open again and those comedians who are like doing okay but you're definitely living like not hand to mouth but you know you are waiting 28 days for backs or whatever when all that drops away there's no cancellation policies there's no furloughing some of them slip through the gaps of the other funding it's just putting lots of our comedians in a really stressful situation that i worry about and as you say and then you're putting people in that stressful situation and then be funny clown entertain me yeah yeah exactly and be like come on you, it's your job to cheer us all up and you're like but i'm really sad and i'm gonna lose my home <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah it, it's 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 so hard it's so so hard i just don't know what to to do about it and you feel impotent to it all as well as in like I'm in a really fortunate position in that I saved some money and I'm lucky because I've got some telly and radio work, which pays more. So, you're, you you know, you've got yeah, a bit yeah. held back. But if you're not doing that stuff, which is 90% of the circuit, if not more, then what, like you're just on, you're kind of on your own. And it's, um, I can't imagine the, the strain mental health wise, because also I hadn't realized prior to this how much of my self-esteem was intrinsically linked to my work. So going out on stage and like making people laugh 
is what made me feel good about myself and to have that snatched away very selfishly I'm like oh god I really struggle with my self-esteem and like and, and also because like stand-up was giving me like a purpose and I had this tour and I wanted to talk about this thing yeah, and yeah. I was doing it for 10 years gigging five times a week for 10 years and then it's gone and then you're like I don't know what I am I think I'm just someone who likes dry roasted peanuts and has nothing to say about the world anymore. <laughs> that's, that's why I've decided I am. <laughs> it's when you see those kind of articles, you know, can I host a barbecue? And as you say, you know, you've got friends who are out of work, people genuinely struggling sort of week to week in terms of finance and people mm. are trying their hardest to grill some meat. <laughs> like, it just feels, just feels quite ridiculous. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it does feel flipping. It feels like we're... Um, feels like the focus is on the wrong thing but maybe it's I don't know what it is I I, um there's there's been some good to come out of it they've organized um this live comedy association has has mobilized and it's basically trying to bring together all the elements of comedy so producers directors comedians and unify the voice to sort of lobby for representation and protection and I've been really impressed with everything they're doing so far and we've never had anything in place like that before and anything that's sort of tried has been like oh well you'll never get comedians uh, to kind of band together because it's all it's just an industry of individuals and I'm really hoping that the silver lining to this horrible shit cloud (laughs) is that this the comedy industry becomes more united with specific goals for strengthening our industry and making it a safer better worker working environment would be a nice thing to come out of it I must say another nice thing to come out of this has been the COVID arms. And that's the weekly virtual comedy night that you host to support the Trussell Trust and comedians as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started? Yes. So um, I went to school with Jess and Jake Lee Wilson primary school. And then um, I sort of met Jess years later at a gig and uh we just chatted a bit basically because she's moved back to Anglesey and this is where my family is and then uh she said listen my brother and I have been running this like a virtual pub for our mates where we just sit on zoom basically and have a drink (laughs) we thought about getting some entertainment on would you fancy doing comedy and obviously I thought no that sounds like the worst thing in the world but I'm very (laughs) bad at saying uh, no to people I like and Jess is one of those people so I was like yeah fine I was like let me see if I um she said, I thought maybe we could sell tickets and raise a bit of money for charity. And I was like, okay, let me see if I can rope in someone else. So they already had Rosie Jones doing it and I asked Stephen Bailey and I asked Rachel Fairburn. So we did that first one to raise money for the Trust of Trust and it raised like 13 grand or something. So we thought it, we, it would raise a little bit of money and I, could, I think we thought maybe 30 out of push 100 people would come and there was thousands. So we were like, oh, okay. And we kind of found that it, because online gigs, there's, there's so much that you can't replicate from the live experience. But we were like, oh, we think we have the ingredients for this to work. So we sort of, every week we'd, we were like, let's just try another one. And I said, and thank, and Jess and Jake were amazing and on the same page of this. So I was like, I don't want to be another person asking comedians to work for free. So if we can yeah. split, give half the money to the Trussell Trust straight away, split the rest between the acts, and then they can decide, they could donate it to Trussell Trust, they could donate it to the other acts, they can keep it. And there's no shame and no one gets told either way. Like it's, it's all 
I'm not here to judge anyone on their financial yeah, situation. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we decided to do that, and that's how it works from then on. And yeah, I think we accidentally got a lot of things right early doors with chatting to the audience. So it feels more like a real gig and a community, and encouraging it to feel like a community. And then the amazing Beaver Town beer heard about us, and we're like, let's give you some free beer to give to people. And we're like, yeah, please. <laughs> um, so we get to send the acts as well, which is a really nice thing to just have a box of beer turn up at your house is obviously <laughs> lovely um yeah so it, and it's just been growing and growing and it's basically sort of like plateaued now so we get about three thousand people watch the show every week wow. and we've got amazing names on it um it's it's really nice and, and i know i feel really confident asking to the point of badgering people to do it because i know it's a good gig like obviously it was sort of tenuous at the beginning but i was like i know this is um I'm not asking anyone to do a horrible gig. I will make sure that it's as great as it can be and that their style works no matter what they do. So, yeah, it's really nice. It's also really good for me in my brain to have something to do every week, <laughs> a reason to wash, if nothing else. Um, yeah, and, and being able to give like a big wad of money over to comedians who need it and also to the Trussell Trust has been has been great yeah been really uh, something nice to come out of this <laughs> and there's been so many incredible names that that have that have been on Russell Howard Ed Gamble Ross Noble Susie Ruffalo Sarah Pascal Ashling B Nish Kumar Rosie Jones Tom Allen I could stop I'll, I'll stop there because <laughs> I could just be listing comedians for the rest of this podcast but you must feel immensely proud when you hear that list of amazing names Yes. Yeah. I have pulled in lots of favours. Um, yeah, I, I do obviously really proud. And also for me, it was important as well to try and get a balance of circuit acts who people won't have seen, who I think are mm. incredible and big names who they'll be tuning in for. And now I think the audience is pretty loyal and would come whoever we put on. Um, but for me, it's really important to show the, the world I come from, which is the circuit and how brilliant and how strong yeah, and yeah. how diverse it is. So that's that's been really nice. And also help people that I know are like, you know, when I know someone's uh, like, say, a guy and his wife's been made redundant as well. And I know they've got three kids. Well, I know I can give them a lovely gig in front of a nice audience and chuck them a bit of money. It's like it's the absolute yeah, yeah. dream it, to do comedy. to Because also it's that thing of like, helping a lot of these people are really proud and and so I'm not going here's some money I'm going come and do your job and let me pay you well for it which is like the perfect scenario everyone wants to you know for their own self-esteem mm. as well wants to like pay their way and, and be paid for their services so yeah I, I'm really really proud of it and and what it's done and I think it's um it's important to the audience as well there's a lot of people who've contacted me who are um shielding so we'll be there we're there earlier and we'll be there longer and have found a real sort of sense of community in the night which is absolutely lovely yeah it's it's really nice and it's a lot of people a lot of key workers as well have messaged and be like oh it's my thing that i do every week that feels like a, yeah. a break away from everything they're dealing with as a result of this horrible virus and as you mentioned, the front row is such a great idea where it does give you that opportunity to interact with the crowd as you would do in a normal comedy gig. Yeah, it's um, well, because I compare a lot anyway. And 
the most interesting thing and the funniest stuff always comes from chatting to people in the audience because they want no idea what that person's going to (laughs) say. And I am interested in people and it's a, I'm not getting any contact that isn't my brother or my partner or the postman at the moment. So like to chat to (laughs) strangers is a really lovely thing that I genuinely like look forward to. And there's such a nice bunch as well. It's sort of self-selecting the fact that it's for charity and a woman's hosting it means a cunts keep away straight away so it means that you're genuinely only talking to really nice people and just having a bit of a daft laugh with, laugh with them and we set them competitions as well so it's quite cute to have a, a chat about that stuff or to get their pictures or their tweets up on the screen at the end but yeah just feeling like it's um it, it's all the, to me it's trying to channel the best parts of any pub that you love in that there's sort of yeah. characters and there's a sense of community and it feels like you can be as involved or not involved as you like you can sit in the corner and just watch everyone else or you can get involved and be the one who's having a chat and and there's room for everyone i think is a, is a really nice thing and we know that the COVID arms work so well now. And I imagine it is an easier sell to comedians because they can see how well it's done. But when you first started and you were asking these guys to do a set on Zoom, what was the reaction like? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so basically I had to just start with people that I think are too nice to say no. Um <laughs> Uh, which is like Nish Kumar, definitely too nice to say no. Sarah Pascoe, Susie Ruffle, Tom Allen, all too nice to say no. And then once they've done it and the, the feeling afterwards, because we're all on like a WhatsApp group together, is like, oh my God, that was great. And they've got this sort of like yeah, yeah. energy um, and like, oh, that was really fun. And you're like, yeah, I promise it is nice because the, the, the audience is so interactive as well on Twitter and Instagram. You co- you don't hear the laughs, but you come off and there's this big wave of love, which is exactly what you get from doing stand-up. Um, yeah, yeah. So after that, it, it became sort of easier. And I've, yeah, again, again, Russell Howard, just too too nice to say no to stuff. <laughs> so I basically started with them. And then anyone who's, so Tim Key was on last week. I had to really convince him and then send him links to the show and go, listen, I'm not going to put you in a situation. Like, you've got to trust me here. Because I, I run a gig and called Suspiciously Cheap. That runs in mm. mainly Manchester and London. And it's a it's a nice gig. I know how to run a good gig. So I'm not approaching anyone who doesn't already know that I wouldn't ask them to do a crap gig. So I'm already approaching people that, that hopefully would know that I'm not going to be like, come and do this dog shit gig and look like an asshole on the internet yeah. forever. Um, so we've got <laughs> as much in it to sort of go like, it stays up, but only for two days. You know, because comedians are worried. The ultimate thing is they're worried about dying on their ass and then they're yeah. going viral or whatever. So I explained really clearly. So Tim Keel took a lot of um, convincing. Rod Gilbert, who's on this week, took a lot of convincing, but is up for it. And, and also it's it's interesting. It's finding their way to make it work. So Rod's doing yeah. something fucking mad tonight and very interactive. <laughs> that only he could do, but also make sure that he, he's like, I can't just... He said, what am I going to do? Stand up, he said plonk my laptop on the mantelpiece and just do it at a camera next to a picture of my mum and dad getting married and I was like yeah I can't ask you to do that that's, that's not going to make you funnier um but this idea is really fun and then next week it's exclusive until later tonight Frankie Boyle's going to be doing it and I've been checking oh, wow. and he's like I've just got to think of the right thing so he's written this thing so yeah it's just it's quite nice that I I'm like if anyone's curious, I'm just persistent with them because I really want them to do it and know that it's a good gig and and then hopefully tell everyone that they know <laughs> and then it'll be easy <laughs> to ask other people. And also being able to go, listen, you don't have to trust me on it. Speak to these people and they can honestly tell you how they found the gig. Um, 
uh, yeah, and everyone said yes. <laughs> and it's interesting, as you say, how people have sort of changed their style a little bit to kind of fit this the uh, the format but I mean I suppose does it feel strange to do stand up on a, on a screen as you said earlier you're you'd, you'd never do a gig where you can see your own face I guess yeah just looking at your own face as well and <laughs> um, it is strange not just because you're looking into your own cold dead eyes but because <laughs> you you do rely on the audience for a gauge in terms of pace tone like what they like from you so if you find that when you're being a bit silly or pulling a certain face, they like it. You just do more of that. It's like symbiotic. Whereas if you can't see anything, you're going off instinct. And yeah. that's really tough. And like, how long do you pause? Are they, they would normally laugh here in a club. And when can you pick it up again to not trample the laughter? And yeah. And also we all know that watching, there's a reason why Live at the Apollo cuts to people laughing in the audience because it's a prompt. And that's why they they have, yeah. that's why they film a lot of things like Mrs. Brown's Boys in front of a live audience because it's like a laughter track. So you don't mm. have it on a gig in Zoom. And that's not to say that things aren't funny. It's just that your sometimes your brain needs a little cajole into going, oh, that was a joke. Yeah, God, of course it is. That's really funny. So you're doing it all without these sort of props and su- sort of um, support. So that is very strange. But now I'm just worried. I've got so used to it that I can't go back to gigging normally. <laughs> I will not know how to talk to people. I'll be like, can you just put a plate of glass in front of your face? I'm feeling very uncomfortable with you being that close. <laughs> and we have to st- talk about the spin-off pub quiz you did, because unlike most spin-offs, it was amazing. <laughs> so you raised so much money for charity, set a world record. Can you tell us how that happened and what and what happened? Um, so we were doing this, uh, just cracking on with the COVID arms and then Crowdfunder, who we sell our tickets through, got in contact and like, listen, we wanted to do a massive pub quiz, uh, like a virtual pub. Guinness World Records would like us to do a, an attempt for the biggest like people at a virtual pub. And we just thought, why not use you because you are an existing thing? And uh, yeah, th- well, they wanted to do a comedy night first. And I was like, no, because we get- <laughs> my reasoning was if we get loads of publicity behind it, then what will happen is people who aren't necessarily comedy fans will come and watch it for all the reasons I've just said, be like, this is shit. And then you've got (laughs) those, those people who are negative about everything watching a zoom gig that they've never seen before being like, Oh, now I feel the Kira Pritchard clones dog shit. I'm going to tell the internet. (laughs) And I couldn't ask comedians in good conscience to put themselves like that uh, out like that. Also people feel weird about burning their material so I was like, I think we should just do a quiz and have everyone host around and they can do whatever they want with it. And it was so fun. And like, it's such a good way of doing it because what people had rounds on would like, you would never would have called. So like Nish Kumar doing The Simpsons, Joel Domit had a round all about me. <laughs> I didn't know the answers to some of the questions. <laughs> um, and then like, Rachel Fairburn had one about serial killers. Stephen Bailey had one about Coronation Street. So it's perfect because people's personality comes out and it's like, that's not a poker quiz that you could have prepared for. London Hughes yeah. was all about when she'd last had sex with people like it's not yeah and then we had jenny ryan from the quiz with like proper hardcore questions so yeah like if you won that that you have got a special brain <laughs> definitely and it also it's a really good way of supporting venues because what people got to do is as part of being in the covid arms basically buy it forward and buy a pub at their local um so we had like yeah, yeah. comedy clubs that i've come up through like the amazing frog and bucket in manchester we're able to get behind it and get involved and that means that it's just a little chunk of money that 
will hopefully help a few overheads while they're shut and can't do anything. So yeah, it was um it was amazing to do and like sort of exhausting because just like orchestrating all that stuff of like the some people had to pre-record because they were doing other things and getting everyone lined up to come and do it live and all all that kind of stuff was um a big undertaking that I'd say principally Jake and Jess did because um, Jess would be like lining people up getting ready to go on with their with their quizzes um and then me just chatting in the middle and then the Guinness World Records guy coming on and yeah and doing a real sort of Davina McCall pause where we didn't think we got the first record <laughs> but yeah it was absolutely amazing and a really like fun exhausting thing to be involved in I remember after we did it Jake was like they can throw anything they want at me technically now he's like I can after doing that I can absolutely deal with it so yeah it was um it's amazing to to come out of um, the lockdown with a world record is a really nice thing <laughs> and I've stolen Joe Wilkinson's questions I think for other pub quizzes I've done it was on Brucey's Price is Right wasn't it yeah, I think the most sexist collection <laughs> of questions ever and they're all from like 1997 which didn't yeah. feel long enough ago for those questions <laughs> they're, really yeah. bad. they're all like we asked a hundred women uh, like unmarried women over 25 <laughs> and under 30 you know just like really, everything is dripping in sexism but yeah that's classic joe wilkinson i think he just had those questions knocking around anyway <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have to talk a little bit about TV because obviously a lot of people have been turning to television during lockdown. What have you been watching during this time? Well, I have a nice little ritual going. Um, so what, when I started off, I'd never seen any of the Marvels. So um, I watched the entire Marvel universe, which I really enjoyed. Um, so that was one thing. And that, so we got in like this routine of watching it. And so basically um, my partner and I, we pick a series and we do it um that we've been meaning to watch that we haven't got through. So things I have loved, and these are all hashtag basic bitch things because I know everyone already thinks they're amazing. But um, love The Crown, about to start um, oh, the yeah. series, series three, which I'm really excited about um, because that's the one with the Welsh language in. Um, and then Noughts and Crosses, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, um, although sadly is is like a cruel reflection of what is going on right now yeah, um, across yeah. the world, but in particular in America. Um uh, what else? Oh, and then my little like, f- oh, and we just started watching Hollywood on Netflix, which looks oh, amazing. I haven't, I haven't seen that. What's that like? Well, um, it's all my favorite things, really. It's like sexy <laughs> people and Hollywood and beautiful <laughs> costumes. Watch the trailer and you'd be, it, it's like classic Ryan Murphy. Um, oh, yeah, it's Ryan Murphy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, also been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I'm going to go and watch the finale after this. No spoilers, please. Um, and <laughs> my fav- my partner and I watch that every Saturday morning. We've got um, All Stars starting soon as well. And my little things um, that I like to watch in the bath. This is my, again, this is not a, a, like underground hit, but Sewing Bee, hosted by Joe Lysett, the great British Sewing Bee, is the most delightful gentle television i've ever seen in my life so i basically once a week i have like a nice bath with a bath bomb and do loads of you know put loads of face masks on and i will have it propped up on the toilet where do i it belongs and um, watching it and yeah it's just so charming and nice to watch um, yeah. i absolutely love it uh, oh and also glow up which just started again which is like uh um 
next top model but for makeup artists it's really cool um and that's great so we watch that every there's actually loads of great telly on at the moment <laughs> there is um, there's so much great tv on at the moment and stacy dooley's great on glarp as well like you watch her in these really gritty documentaries and now she's chatting to people about makeup and she can do everything really I think she's rubbish. <laughs> it's because I think I really want the job. <laughs> so my partner's like, leave her alone. So when I watch her, like, she just is not warm enough when she's talking to that guy. Um, like, she's that happy to speak to him. And he's like, would you just back off Stacey Dooley because you obviously want her job? <laughs> but yeah, no, she's she's great. And she always looks really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that I would be better at her job. <laughs> <laughs> it's that transparent she's brilliant i'm just fucking jealous <laughs> <laughs> i really hope that ca- the casting for the next series uh, w- have listened to the end of this podcast because that's that's a great advert for your <laughs> you to take over sorry stacy <laughs> yeah i um i will publicly slag off what other people do as a job <laughs> if i want their job just so you know that's the kind of petty person i am <laughs> <laughs> Kiri, thank you so much for talking to me this lunchtime. I really enjoyed that. Oh, thank you for chatting to me. I really appreciate it. Wasn't Kiri amazing? I think everything she's done with the COVID arms is incredible. If you haven't given it a go, please, please do so. I'm not just saying this because Kiri has appeared on the show, but it is honestly the best digital thing I've done in lockdown. The lineups are great. You'll be supporting live comedy and you'll honestly have a great time. Links for the COVID arms are now in the bio. Kiri also co-hosts an outstanding podcast called All Killer, No Filler. And it's all about serial killers, which I would highly recommend. I say this every week, but I continue to be blown away by the response to the podcast so far. If you enjoyed an episode, please continue to spread the word. Subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, follow us on socials. Links again are in the bio. I'll be back very, very soon. But in the meantime, please stay indoors 